Welcome to Growth Mindset University. I'm your host, Jordan Paris, and this show is all about learning the lessons we should have learned in school but did not, so that we can succeed in the progressive new age of business and life we find ourselves in today. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session. Dre Baldwin, that is who our guest is today. And I watched his videos on YouTube all throughout high school, his basketball tutorials. So when Dre reached out to me to be on the show, it was a pretty surreal experience. He sent me a video just for me asking to be on the show and praising the show. And immediately someone behind me goes, oh my gosh, is that Dre Baldwin? And I'm like, yes, it is. Uh, It seems like a lot of people my age know who Dre Baldwin is uh, because that's not the only person uh, who knew exactly who Dre was. So it was a great conversation with Dre that I had. You can find him on YouTube, of course, Dre Baldwin, DreAllDay.com. And him and I discussed today what brought him to YouTube in 2006, the first year that YouTube was in existence. We talked about fake it till you make it. Does it work? Does it not? You'll find out in this interview. We talked about the genius of simplicity. We also discussed one of my favorite concepts of his, something that he's brought with him throughout his nine years as a professional basketball player, the end of the bench mentality, something that we can translate and bring into all of our lives. So you'll hear about the end of the bench mentality in this interview. Now, I always recommend build your network while you listen and learn with this podcast. You can build a world-class network in record time by reaching out to every single guest you hear on Growth Mindset University. Say, hey, so-and-so, I just heard you on Jordan's show, and I really enjoyed this specific thing. This really stuck out to me. Whatever. Uh, And even even add in a, a concept from David Berkus, no reply needed at the end. And of course, the ironic part about that is you will be much more likely uh, to get a response, almost guaranteed to get a response because you come off as non-needy. Now, Dre is pretty accessible over on LinkedIn. If you just look up Dre Baldwin on LinkedIn and send him that message, he will surely get back to you. Now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the prolific Dre Baldwin. My guest today is Dre Baldwin. In just five years, Dre went from his high school team's bench to the first contract of a nine-year professional basketball career. Concurrently, Dre pioneered new genres of personal branding via content publishing. Starting on YouTube in 2006, Dre has published over 7,000 videos and has racked up over 44 million views along the way. Dre's daily podcast, Work On Your Game, has more than 1,200 episodes. Dre has given four TED Talks and authored 25 books 
as well. And I've been watching his videos on YouTube. I watched them all throughout high school with, uh, with a friend of mine. Since I booked Dre on the podcast, I, I, uh, I asked my basketball playing friends, you know Dre Baldwin? And every single person goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly who he is. And, you know, people like Kyrie Irving have watched him since the ninth grade. And Dre Baldwin, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you for the introduction, Jordan. Happy to be here. I want to tell people before we get into it today where they can find you, DreAllDay.com, Dre Baldwin on YouTube, and Work On Your Game with Dre Baldwin is the podcast that I have binged this week. I've probably heard at least seven episodes in the past couple of days. Really good podcast. And I am impressed by you, Dre, because yes, I watched your videos in high school, but I hadn't realized in the years since how multidimensional you've become with the four TED Talks, the books, the the podcast, and in such prolific, uh, such such high volume, right? Four TED Talks, 25 books, 1,200 podcast episodes. And these are not five-minute episodes no, either. Really. Every single day. How do you produce at such a high volume, Trey? Man, well, it's funny that you said uh, what you said about outside the basketball, because I hear from a lot of basketball players who watch me on YouTube from the ball stuff. And I don't know, a lot of them think I'm dead because they don't see the basketball videos anymore. But <laughs> there's always been a lot of other stuff going on. But to answer your question, uh, is a gift of mine just to be able to come up with ideas is something that I've enhanced, of course. But my ability to come up with ideas is how I'm able to create that content. And I've always had a... Uh, inclination for the internet and computers ever since I first started using the computer back in, I was probably maybe 12 or 13 years old. I knew it was the thing for me. So luckily the internet came around and being able to self-publish, whether that be through a book, a podcast, YouTube, all of that stuff hit at the, like the perfect time for me, right as I was getting out of college. So it was just a perfect confluence of events. Luck matters. So that timing was definitely luck for me. You do any basketball videos anymore? Not on the court. I stopped playing basketball in 2015. The last game I played in was a three-on-three tournament that was thrown by Finish Line, a sneaker company, with a few uh, online influencers. And my team won that tournament. It was a $10,000 prize. And I said, that's the last organized basketball game I'm ever playing in. And to date, I have not broken that promise. So that was it for me. But you still, you must still play basketball. You must still shoot around. Like, you can't just drop it, no? I'll go to the court and I'll shoot some shots like by myself or my girlfriend will come with me and things like that. But I'm not playing pickup or three on three or anything like that. Why? The thing with me, Jordan, is if I'm going to play basketball, like some things I can play and just be not good and laugh it off. Let's say if we were to play some ping pong or tennis or swimming, I'm fine with it because I'm not emotionally invested in my ability to play those. But basketball is my thing. So if I'm going to play basketball, then that means I need to go to the gym at five in the morning every day. I need to work out off the court. I got to lift weights. I got to do my training the right way. And that's a full-time commitment. So I can't be out there. I don't want to be the guy that some kid comes up to me and say, hey, I remember when you used to be good, like five, 10 years ago. I don't want to be the used to be guy. So I'm either going to be as good as I can be or I'm not playing at all. So that's just the way that I look at basketball in particular. With the podcast, when I didn't even realize you had a podcast, like when did you when did you come up with the idea for that? And then how do you what you mentioned? You're really good at coming up with ideas. How do you come up with 1,200 ideas for it? <laughs> well, I started 
man, when did I start with the podcast? Well, I started it in 2016, my own podcast, but I had been on other people's podcasts in the 2014, 2015 era when podcasting was still, most people didn't know about it. But there was one guy named uh, Scott Jones. He had a podcast called Athlete on Fire. And I was on his show. And then he asked me if I ever wanted to just come and say some things on my own to be on his network. I did that a few times. And then he started to encourage me like, hey, you can start your own podcast. But I didn't know anything about the editing and the publishing. And I thought it was too much work. But he showed me how easy it was. And I started my podcast in the spring of 2016. Had somebody who wanted to work for me. So I had them become the the editor and the publisher and all that. And it's not too hard to do. So since then, just been doing it every day. But how do I come up with the ideas? I actually got the idea for uh, coming up, challenging myself to come up with ideas every day from a guy named James Altucher, who I believe I've heard you mention before. Oh, of course. Yes, we did. Uh, we were we did an in-person interview in New York City in front of a live audience. And yes, his his he has a great method around idea generation. Yes. Exactly. Coming up with 10 ideas a day. So I heard him say that around 2014. So I started doing it and I actually do that to this day. I come up with 10 ideas a day. Most of them are no good, but I still come up with the ideas every day. And that's how I started to create more content ideas. And as James talks about, as you keep coming up with more ideas, the ideas kind of have sex. The idea sex, you come up with something new, you <laughs> yes. get this idea menage a trois, and more ideas come from that. So for me, it's just the more I do the thing, the more it creates that thing. So that's how I just keep coming up with stuff. But then once you get into the habit of it, everything becomes content. And that's something that I tell people all the time. Everything is content. So every conversation, every question, something happens at Target, that's content. Everything that happens in my life, I'm my mind is trained to think of it as where's the content idea from this. So that's how I've been able to keep it going. Exactly. And all not all of your ideas are good, but the idea is to to build an a jacked idea muscle, as James would say, as we talked about. And that's why and you see this now in action. I love how a concept that we talked about on the podcast a couple of months ago is coming full circle now. And you see somebody who implemented this this person's advice, James's advice directly. You see what happened. The the twelve hundred podcasts. It is prolific, Dre. I can't even. I cannot imagine. I mean, I have. I'm in the mid hundreds right now, uh, and I've been going at this for a while. And I don't. I mean, twice a week is a, a lot, right? <laughs> uh, have you missed a single day? You have. You must have. Come on. I haven't missed a day, but there was a time period right before my before my book, Work On Your Game, came out. I had started putting episodes out three times a week on purpose, but it wasn't because I was out of content. It was just I was trying that as an experiment just to see if that affected listenership or anything like that. But then I said, no, I like doing it every day. So then I just went right back to it. So probably for about two months, I did three episodes a week, and then I went right back to seven days a week. And I highly recommend that people listen to Work On Your Game with Dre Baldwin. It's a great podcast. I I found myself really enjoying it, and it's not just it's not just fluff stuff. Like you know, he gets Dre gets on the mic and he spits straight fire like this with examples and stories. It's not like just do this, do that. This you know, all this advice. It's there are examples uh, of of real like you gave you know examples of like you know Steve Jobs maybe in like the the simplicity episode recently, uh, just a, a very solid audio companion that I found myself starting 
And then after the end of a 30 minute episode, I'd be like, darn, like it's over already, you know, it's, and like they do fly by in a good way too. So work on your game with Dre Baldwin. I highly recommend it. Dre, you talk about uh, some of the concepts uh, on, on that podcast that I really like. Focus being a force multiplier. How how so? Well, I heard first person I ever heard say that was Tony Robbins. Was that when someone focuses, when you focus everything that you have on one particular thing, you're taking all of your energies and putting it into that. No matter how good or bad you are, if you put 100% of you or 100% of your resources into one thing, you're probably going to get better at that thing. For me, I say there are five forms of investment in life. There are time, money, attention, energy, and focus. So if you're putting all five of those, actually, let me back up. In order to become successful at anything, you have to put all five of those into anything you're going to be successful at. When I think about playing basketball, if you think about running your businesses or getting your podcast where you wanted to get to, someone starting a company, raising a family, building a relationship, all of those, you have to make all five of those investments. So with focus being that force multiplier, human beings can only focus on one thing at a time. Now, we have fooled ourselves with all our devices and notifications and lights that we can multitask, as they say, but I'm sure you've probably read, Jordan, that multitasking is not actually a real thing. Well, what you're it actually is not. doing is switching from one task to another, right? Exactly. And there's an attention residue as well. Like we think, we have a bias to think that we are good multitaskers. We've talked about this on the podcast several times mm-hmm. with different guests where when, when you switch from one task to another, even even like, you know, I'm working, I'm writing a book, right? And uh, another one. And if I go check my email for, you know, a minute, you, it might seem like an innocent check, but what's really happen, happening is when I get back to my book a minute later, there is an attention residue still left on my emails. And it takes me a little bit more time to get back into the flow of things. And the tweetable that you, here that you mentioned, the, the quote uh, from Tony Robbins is, where focus goes, energy flows. One of my favorite quotes from him. And I'm starting to pick up on this theme too. Of course, as I've noticed in your podcast, uh, you're very well read. You are a scholar, right? When did you get into all all of this? Uh, I don't even want to degrade it by calling it self-improvement, but when did you start seeking out all of these learning resources? Because you're so well read. It's obvious when you listen to your podcast. Well, is that is absolutely not uh, being degrading by calling it self improvement. That's absolutely what it is. And it's just a cliche term, but yeah, you know, or personal development is what I like yeah. to call it. Also, but that's I mean, that's what it is. And where it began, Jordan was actually probably about three years old because my mother is a teacher. She's an educator, and she uh-huh. had my sister and I reading books from a very young age. So we always had books in the house. We were a lower middle class family from in the city in Philadelphia. We didn't have extra anything, but we absolutely always had those books in the house. So I've always been a reader. I've always been a writer. Once I started to see that I could kind of craft words in a certain way, I've always been into that. When it came to personal development, the first time I, I didn't even know what it was until I was about 20 years old. It was probably in the summertime before my junior year of college. And I heard people talking about this, this personal development. They kept using that phrase over and over again, and they were name dropping people like Napoleon Hill and Brian Tracy. And I never heard of these people, but they kept saying it. So I started looking for these books. And I remember I went on eBay that summer and I bought uh, Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad, Poor Dad for 99 cents each on eBay. And the people emailed me a downloaded Word document. That's how I got the books. This is before Amazon was 
Amazon. And that's when I really got into personal development. And what I realized it is, is just any person who takes voluntary action to better themselves, sharpen their game, make themselves a more valuable person, not what the school makes you do, not what your parents make you do, but you choosing to do it voluntarily. That's what I consider to be personal development. And I think 98% of people are not interested in that. So the people who are listening to this, you're only, you only have 2% of the world as your competition. So I've always been into personal development as long as I've known what it was and I could put a label on it. I've been into it for the last, we're going on 17 years now. So some of your favorite books, I imagine, I mean, we talk about some of the concepts from Choose Yourself. We talk about some of the concepts from Awaken the Giant Within. I imagine you enjoyed those books, uh, assuming you've read them. What are some of your other favorite books over, over the years? Well, my favorite author of all time is Robert Greene, who's author of 48 ah. Laws of Power. I found that book actually back in the days when you had to go to a bookstore to discover books. I went to the Borders bookstores in Germantown, Philadelphia, and I was just scrolling the the personal development, human psychology section. That's where I always gravitated to. And I saw the spine of that book, the 48 Laws, that orange spine. I didn't know what it was. I never heard of the guy, but I started looking at the chapters and I said, this book is for me. So I bought that book and that has, I probably read that book more than any other book I've ever read in my life, the 48 Laws. the Law of Success by Napoleon Hill, from which Think and Grow Rich is derived. The Law of Success, uh, Robert Greene's book with 50 Cent, the 50th Law. If I had to mm. name a couple other favorites, man, so many. 33 Strategies of War by Robert Greene is another yeah. one of my favorites. You like human behavior? Yeah, human behavior, human psychology. I'm really into what people do, but trying to figure out the mindset behind what they do or the mindset in front of what they do, if you will. So I've always been into that stuff. Once I realized that there's is a whole section of life that's devoted to that and people who are really interested in it. And that's what I try to I try to be one of those people, I guess I, I can say, on my in my content, through my books, podcasts, et cetera. Have you heard of Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman? Have you read that book? I've heard of Dan Millman, but I have not read that book. Oh man, you it's you you gotta read that one. People told me for a long time I had to read that, and I finally read it last summer. And it's it's a, it's tied for my first favorite book uh, with a couple with with Mark Manson's The Subtle Art, and then uh, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. But I also love psychology and human nature and human behavior as well. Some of my favorite things to learn about uh, okay. and, and communication. Uh, it's so much fun. I mean, it came from a pain point too, where like. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the best communicator. I didn't really have friends. And so I just wanted to, I, I started learning about that stuff because I wanted to make friends. Uh, and so I, you know, I picked up like Captivate the Science of Succeeding with People by Vanessa Van Edwards. Right. Like her website is scienceofpeople.com. It just screamed, this can help you, Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and, and her content changed my life. Uh, we had Vanessa on the podcast Right. And you were looking for it. That's the thing. Yeah, you were actually exactly. looking for something to make you better. That's what I mean when I say personal development. Exactly. Right. And so you talk about the elements of success that are more important than hard work. What mm-hmm. is it that's more important than hard work, Dre? Man, well, there are a lot of things. Uh, I think the first thing is more important than hard work is choosing wisely. And choosing wisely can apply to a lot of things, such as the people you will associate with such as what you're going to work hard on. Those are two important decisions that anybody should make before they just start working hard. Because I'm sure, Jordan, you and many of your guests and anyone who's listening to this 
probably know someone or maybe they are or have been someone who was doing a whole lot of hard work, but it wasn't producing the type of results that you think come from hard work. Because we all were taught, at least my generation, I don't know, maybe your generation, Jordan, was taught differently, but our generation was always taught hard work. Just if you work hard, you're going to be successful. But me growing up, I saw a lot of hardworking adults who didn't seem to have what I considered to be success even though they were working hard. So maybe they just chose incorrectly or unwisely as to what they were going to work hard on. So the first one is choosing wisely. Second thing I would say is luck. Luck matters in success. And a lot of successful people don't want to mention how much luck has played a role in their success because I think some people believe, well, if I point out that I got lucky, then it kind of diminishes my greatness. I look like less of a superhero to admit that I got lucky. But listen, I became a pro athlete in part because I'm 6'4". My father's 5'9". Now, if I had been his height, I probably wouldn't have made it in basketball, no matter how hard I worked. So that luck mattered. The fact that social media and YouTube and blogging and self-publishing became normal right around the time that I got out of college in 2004, that was luck. I didn't plan for it. I didn't work hard for it. I didn't strategize for it. It just happened. It was happenstance, but I was willing, I was ready to take advantage of it. But if that luck hadn't happened, who knows? Maybe I would have been doing something other than what I really want to do with my life. And if I didn't have, let's say, a YouTube around or some way to connect with people internationally, I might not have been able to market and promote myself to even get into playing pro basketball because I played at a Division three college. And most players at the D3 level don't play pro sport anything any at any sport. So all of those things were luck that happened to work in my favor. Now, of course, I had to work hard and have skills in place to take advantage of that luck. But had those things not happened, the right timing, the right choice, these lucky breaks, if you will, then I wouldn't have gotten to where I gotten to. And there are several other factors, uh, people being around the right people, insight, asking yourself the right questions, even when you don't have the right answers. All of those play a role in your success that are more important than hard work. Because if you work hard without having any of those other things in place, you can do a whole lot of hard work and get a badge of honor for it. Maybe a gold watch at the end of 50 years, but you won't have the life that you wanted to have. I agree. You touch a little bit on just, uh, you know, coming out of college in 2004 and then you got on YouTube in 2006. What was that? The, the, like the first year that it. <laughs> yeah, YouTube existed. Yeah, I think YouTube came out in the fall of 05 and I got on how, spring 06. How the heck did you find it? Like, it, <laughs> I don't even remember, man. I can't even yeah. tell you. I do remember that. Well, this is why I got on YouTube because I went to an exposure camp. For those of you who don't know what an exposure camp is, I told you I went to a Division three college where most athletes go pro in something other than sports. And I wanted to play professional basketball overseas. I did not have any connects, any contacts. I had no agent. I had nothing. None of my college coaches didn't know anybody overseas. I had zero, like zero. So for a year, I worked, I guess what we would call a regular job, quote unquote. I worked at Foot Locker as an assistant manager. I worked at Bally Total Fitness selling gym memberships. Then the next year, 2005, I went to an exposure camp, which is basically like a job fair, but for athletes. So instead of shaking hands and trying to hand out your resume, you actually bring your sneakers and your shorts and you play basketball against a whole bunch of other players who are also trying to get into pro basketball. You're playing, they're on your team and they're on the other team. So this whole event is basically a meat market and the audience is not just regular fans. These are agents, scouts, managers, coaches, and team owners from all over the world who are looking for players to sign to contracts. So I went to that exposure event. It was in Orlando, Florida. I was still living in Philly at the time. We rented a car in Philly and drove from oh Friday God. night into Saturday morning. The camp started at 9 a.m. on Saturday. We walked in, no sleep, 
right out of the car from Philly at that camp in Orlando. It was Saturday and Sunday to camp, four games in two days. I played great at that camp. And, and mind you, we I could get away with that when I was 22. I probably couldn't do it now at 37, but when I was 22, I could do that. So I played great at that camp. I got the footage from that camp, got a great scouting report. The only challenge was the footage that I got from that camp. It was on this thing called a VHS tape. And Jordan, I don't know if you remember <laughs> VHS. But I only have heard of it. I, can't, I If I had to picture it, I don't know what it looks like. Uh, exactly. So <laughs> this VHS tape, I knew I had the foresight to see that if I drop this thing or you know, mm. it gets wet or it gets too hot, it could get destroyed. And this footage was the golden ticket to my career. And I also just wanted it for my own vanity because when I was done playing ball, I want to be able to show my grandkids that I used to be able to play. I used to be good. They got to <laughs> they won't believe me if I don't have footage. So I needed to get this in something that would stick around. So I, I feel like that- you still be good, man, at, at 80. I, come on, I bet. <laughs> There's got to be some skill left. I don't know. I didn't want to risk it. So I, wanted, I need to have some proof. So I took that VHS tape to an audiovisual store. I got them to put it on a data CD, put the CD in my computer, desktop computer at my parents' house, and I uploaded it to this new website that I heard of called <laughs> YouTube.com. And at this time, actually, Google actually had a site called Google Video. They were wow. competing against YouTube. I don't know how many people remember that. But Google was trying to compete against YouTube. So every video I put on YouTube the first two or three years, I also put it on Google Video till one day Google just sent the email and said, all right, as of next month, we are discontinuing Google Video. And then the next thing we heard, Google purchased YouTube. So that's really how that happened and why it happened. I didn't even realize this is the first time ever hearing of Google Video. Yeah, they were trying yeah. to compete with YouTube. They realized they couldn't win. So they just bought them. Excellent. So I I loved your, I mean, I loved several of your TED Talks, uh, but the one that really stuck out to me was, you're talking about fake it till you make it. So does fake it till you make it work? I'll pose the question. (laughs) Well, it's kind of an oxymoron question because fake it till you make it is not real. And I know a lot of people... I mean, there are so many different angles that people come with from it in different ways they explain it, who are teaching confidence, especially for people who perform. The thing about fake it till you make it, the whole premise is you're pretending to be something that you're not until you actually become it. And I know there are many variations that different people and teachers and gurus have. For me, I don't like to teach anyone the idea of you're pretending to be something that you're not. My concept is how about we take who you are Take that to the highest level that it could possibly be. And that's what I call the super you. Take that to the highest level it could possibly be. And you start being that right now. And the thing is, when you make a decision to be something or someone other than what you have been up to this point, that's not faking. That's real is the example that I used in the talk. There was a guy in in basketball practices. Coach said today, I'm going to have each one of you players pretend to be one of your teammates Not because he was trying to help their confidence, but because he wanted them to show each other their flaws because the coach was tired of pointing out all his players' mistakes. He said, I know you're tired of hearing from me, so let me let your teammates show you the mistakes that you're always making. So this guy, the subject of the story, he was the ninth or tenth guy on the team. He didn't really play that much. He was just a a below average, mediocre basketball player on his best day. But he was assigned that day in practice. He had to pretend to be the best player on the team. That's just the random luck of the draw. So that day, since he had to pretend to be the best player on the team, he was doing stuff that he never did before, making all kinds of shots and doing all these moves. And everyone's looking at him crazy, like, where is this coming from? And the coach said, well, if that's what it takes, you need to pretend to be that guy every day. You need to be doing this every single day. And the whole point of the story is that 
he already had those abilities in him. It's not like just because the coach said something, all of a sudden he turned into Michael Jordan. It was because he all of a sudden no longer had, he was no longer uh, hindered with, I have to conform to who I've always been. I don't have to be who I was yesterday or who I've been the last 3,000 days just because. I'm going to be this completely different person. He was uninhibited about it. The problem for him was the next day he went right back to being the same person because he no longer had the, quote, permission, close quote. All I do with people when it comes to confidence is tell you, you can throw away everything that you've been up to this point. Start being the person who you really want to be. And that's not fate, because as we already talked about, you can't multitask. Uh, You can't pretend to be somebody for the 30 minutes of a basketball game or the hour of a basketball game, then go right back to being you right after it. How about instead of the duality, how about you just be this person all the time? What's stopping you from doing that? The problem that a lot of people have is that they have this, this emergency break on when it comes to their confidence. So actually, in one of my other TED Talks, I talked about that. When you're being that person, it's not, yeah, it's not fake because you are quite literally that person. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, fake it to make it doesn't exist. That's right. It's no fake. Excellent. And we, we talk about, too, uh, end of the bench mentality. I mean, how, how does somebody explain the end of the bench mentality and how does how does someone, I mean, you know, you've achieved a lot, right? You know, you have all these TED Talks, you got 130,000 some subscribers on YouTube. Uh, you've been a professional basketball player. You've done all this stuff, uh, 1,200 podcasts, everything, right? All these books, uh how do you keep an end of the bench mentality? Is it important to keep an end of the bench mentality? I absolutely believe so. And you got to remember that you're talking to someone who actually sat at the end of the bench. So when I was in high school, I was, well, for three years in high school, I was not even on the bench. I was in the bleachers because I wasn't on the team. And my one year on the team, I was sitting at the end of the bench. So I know how it feels to be that last guy on the bench. And if you think about something like professional sports, if any of you watch the NBA or the NFL, that guy at the end of the bench who barely ever even plays, you don't even know his name because he never takes his warm-up jersey off, he still has to practice just as hard, do all the preparation, show up to the game ready to play just as much as the superstars do, even though he may never even get a chance to get on the court or on the field. And that is really about discipline. That's a mental toughness of continuing to show up, doing the work, even when you have no idea if you're going to get an opportunity to show what you do. So that end of the bench mentality is really just understanding that no matter how much you've achieved, Number one, there could be somebody who's better than you out there. And in the business world, there's always someone out there who's better than you. And there's someone out there scheming on taking your spot. You don't even know who they are, which is what makes business a lot more hard than sports. At least in sports, you know who all the other teams are. In business, you have no idea. And that end of the bench mentality is also for the people who feel like they're winning and they're already dominant and doing their thing that you still need to somehow, some way, find that drive, find that spark that get you out of bed every single day. Because when you lose that motivation, then you shouldn't be in the game anymore because now you're you're taking a spot from somebody who really wants to be there. If you're not motivated to show up and give your best, which usually as human beings, just human nature, we have that when we feel like there's something else we can gain. When we feel like there's someone who is ahead of us or something that we need to achieve that we haven't yet achieved. When you get to the point where you're like, I have nothing left to prove, then you're in the way. You need to step away from the game. And this is... Just something that I got, especially from watching my favorite player of all time, which is Michael Jordan. And this guy always had the fire. He kept winning championships. He was winning the MVPs. He was scoring all the points. He was making the most money, had the most endorsements. He was the most famous guy in the world. Yet he still had the most will, the most determination, the most fire 
of anybody on the court, even though he had more achievements than everybody else put together. So that that mentality is what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking the end of the bench mentality. And Jordan's a guy who never sat at the end of the bench, but he still had that mentality. So me, I try to instill that in other people, even if you don't play sports. Kobe Bryant had the end of the bench mentality too. Would you yeah. would you say that? I would yeah. agree. Yes. I mean, he'd be in the gym at like 4 a.m. Right. Every. Uh, or, I mean, like I've heard, I've heard so many stories uh, of Kobe, like and 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 how hard he works. He probably worked the hardest in the in the entire NBA, even though he was one of the top five players in the NBA uh, at the time, and probably maybe even ever. Yeah, but uh, so they say. <laughs> yeah, so they say. Well, Mike, yeah. the thing about Jordan is he was a generation before Kobe. So Kobe yeah. was like the beginning of the internet generation when these stories would go around. But a lot of the Jordan stories we'll never know because there was no blog mm. posted on. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm a Kobe fan. Yes. You say you say that the walls of expertise are coming down, Dre. What do you mean by that? Well, there was a time when. If you wanted to get into a certain industry or a certain thing that you wanted to accomplish, if you did not have the information and you didn't know someone who had access to that information, you could literally be shut out of that industry or shut out of accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish because the information just was not available to you. If you couldn't get it at the bookstore or in the library, if you didn't know the right person, there was no other place to get the information. Nowadays, all the information, all the world's information has been laid flat. So we can go on Google, we can go on iBooks or Amazon or to a podcast or a YouTube channel or to someone's blog, any piece of information that most of us are looking for, 99.9% of it is available. So you don't have to climb a wall or get around a wall or ask anybody for permission to get information. And a lot of expertise, let's say in the the early stages of the internet, internet 1.0, were based on people having information that other people didn't have. So you could basically sell your information. Now, even though these days we still do have what I guess we call infopreneurs, whose people, whose entrepreneurship is based on information, is not just the information that people buy. Nobody buys just raw information, at least not for a high price these days. What we buy is the interpretation of the information, the insights that come from the information, and we buy into the personality of the person who's sharing the information and the application of it. Okay, here's all the information, but here's how you apply it. Here's what you need to do with this. Here's the next thing you do. Here's the next thing you do. I mean, I put, I took basically everything you could possibly do on a basketball court and put it out on YouTube for free. So why would anybody hire a basketball trainer? So the trainer can help you interpret all the moves. It's not that the trainer is teaching you the moves. And so the trainer can help you interpret them. This is how you can use it. This is where you would use it in your game. This is how it makes sense for you to apply it. So it's the application and the how it works individually for each person based on their circumstance. That's what people are buying these days, not just the raw information. Raw information is virtually free. And if you had to pay for it, it's probably not going to cost you more than 20 bucks. Dre, what do you do for fun? Man, what do I do for fun? <laughs> All of this is fun. So th- this uh-huh. conversation right here is fun. Making the videos fun. Podcasting is fun. Isn't uh, if it? I'm not actually doing something that's specific for my work, that's something that's not on my resume, I'm reading books. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm, I am I like to read books, blogs. I listen to podcasts. I didn't watch YouTube for a while because it wasn't a lot of, it was a lot of garbage on there. But now a lot of people are taking the, a lot of infopreneurs they're basically putting everything on YouTube. YouTube is basically the television. So if it's not a podcast or a book, it's on YouTube. And of course, a lot of people are cross promoting, putting their podcasts on YouTube and things like that. So 
I'm really just trying to feed my mind, give myself as much information and interpretation and application of information as I can so I can get better at doing what I'm doing. And I have to continuously feed my mind as much as I'm putting out. I got to make sure I'm taking in because I can't. There's only so much that's in my head that I can share with people. I had to be taking in things so that I have something new, some new anecdotes, some new stories, some new interpretation that I can share with my audience. Yeah, that's where a lot of my, I mean, my talking points and stories come from. I mean, over the years, like, you know, just read so many books and consumed so much content, probably thousands of podcasts, hundreds of videos, hundreds of books. And it gives you so many conversational talking points and it gives you so many things that you can, so many conversations that you can participate in. Whereas if you you hadn't consumed those videos, podcasts, books, what have you, uh, those are conversations where you wouldn't really be an active participant in and you'd miss out on on forming relationships with those people in that conversation. It's hard to explain, but I know what you're talking about. You know, I heard a guy say the other day, he said, in your area of expertise, you should be an inch wide and a mile deep. So you know it all the way down to its roots. But in other areas of life, you should be a mile wide and an inch. Yes. So you know a whole lot about a whole bunch of different things so that you can actually converse with people who are from diverse backgrounds who do different things. So you know something about the world and you can have a conversation about something other than the weather and you know the football game from right. last night. So and like how that. and how messed up you got at the bar. You know? Exactly. <laughs> right. So that you have some depth, some substance to yourself. And that matters exactly. a lot. And with that said, though, you ever sit sit back and enjoy a beer? I don't drink, but I'll ah, a, a, that's a, a that, yeah. I was wondering. Yes, that's why I asked that question. You don't drink? No, I don't drink. I don't smoke. No. Is there a reason you don't drink? Have you have you? Was there a point where you did? Yeah, in college. I mean, in college, yeah. I mean, we did the Bankers Club, Natural Ice, Bud Light, the, yeah, the yeah. keg parties. We did all that stuff in college. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> after I got out of college, I just didn't. I wasn't in the party scene anymore. College was my four years of partying, and I didn't really party after college at all. And I was getting into pro sports and I knew that you know, coming from where I was coming from, I couldn't relax. I wasn't an athlete who could relax and sit back knowing that I had a, a guaranteed deal in place. I was always hustling. So, And I'm, I'm personally, I like to get up really early. I don't like to be out late and I like to be in control. I like to have control in my mind and I like to be focused and stick to my discipline. So I don't put, I try not to put anything in my body that's not complimenting it except I will have some uh, Rita's water ice when I'm home in Philly. Ah, and nice. I do like, there's this place called uh, the Salty Donut in Miami. So I do eat donuts. I had a glazed donut yesterday. I bought two. So I had one yesterday and I had one today. Oh, so, I love to hear it. Yeah, it's, sweets. Uh, that's, my, yeah. that's my thing, sweet. I don't eat candy anymore because that really messed up my teeth. But I have a donut. <laughs> I have some water ice. And, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I had tacos yesterday. It was a good little cheat. Yeah, I like tacos. Yeah, me too, good. man. I, I had a waffle pancake taco with literally syrup on it. I, it, it sounds weird, but I'm telling you, it's freaking good, Dre. So you I like to mix the, the salt and the sugar together. Yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, I, I could never get into the salt and sugar mix, but I, I understand why you like it, though. I do get it. Yeah. So my final question, I mean, before we get there, I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and reaching out to me to be on the podcast because uh, that was a nice surprise. <laughs> Some, you know, it's uh, someone, who, uh, someone who watched you and, and for years. I saw in my inbox uh, a video said for Jordan dot 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 and I was like I was like what the heck is this? What? Yeah you know, <laughs> I could only, I was wondering but 
And and I'm bringing this up because the way you reached out, I have a, a lot of my audience is podcast hosts and a great part of my marketing strategy has been appearing on other people's podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I have specific ways I get on on so many podcasts. But the way Dre did this, he made a two-minute video talking about Growth Mindset University and how, you know how whenever he goes on LinkedIn, I pop up. And he made this really specific and personal video. Even if I didn't know Dre Baldwin, I probably I would have been like, yeah, dude, I'll have you on the podcast. It's very different as opposed to in somebody's inbox, hey, would love to come on your podcast. You came at it from a very strong point. I, I thank you for for reaching out in that way and uh, setting that example for other people. I wanted to relay that example here. Uh, Dre, it's yeah. been a pleasure talking to you. My final question is if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? If I could teach a course at a university, wow, that's a good question. Hmm. <laughs> if I could teach a course at a university, it would be about... Hmm. Man, that's a good question. You should have told me this ahead of time so I can prepare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. I would teach a course on, I would probably have to choose, I'm just thinking of what my audience most says that they get from me. I would probably say mental toughness, but I would have to think of a unique angle on it. I wouldn't just call it mental toughness. I would have to think of a unique, a specific angle on it, really just about Having real conversations with yourself, being more practical and more objective when looking at yourself in the mirror, looking at your life, looking at your actions, detaching from your emotions when you're looking at other people or the actions of others, looking at yourself and what you think you have earned and or what you deserve and really getting as objective as possible when looking at your life. So it's a little bit of stoicism, a little bit of discipline, a little bit of mental toughness. All of that mixed in together. That's what I would teach a course on. But I would have to, if I marinated on that for about three days, I'll come up with a really good idea. <laughs> Dre Baldwin, you are the man. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me, Jordan. I really appreciate it. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of Growth Mindset University, the podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, all I ask is that you share it out to your friends, family, etc., on your Instagram story and tag me and our guest today. And don't forget to message our guest as well so that you build your network as you listen and learn with this podcast. And if you really believe that hearing the message of growth is important to the world and you want to help others find our show and you're not satisfied with just taking a screenshot and sharing this on your Instagram story, well, I've got good news for you. You can go the extra mile in helping spread this message of growth. You can leave us an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts. We have over 200 ratings right now and it has made a gigantic difference for this show, not only helping people find the show, but getting awesome guests. Thank you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn and grow to give.